Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas. Joining me, as always, my good friend, fellow University of North Georgia alumni Matt Green, on this late, dreary, rainy Sunday night in Knoxville, Tennessee. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Just holding it down for uh, Decula, Georgia. Just holding it down for Decula, Georgia. Because well, you said Knoxville, that implies we're both in Knoxville. But I got I to gotta make it clear that I'm I'm repping I'm repping Dacula, as you like to say. It is Dacula. Um, did you see that uh, your? Uh, let me emphasize the your there. Dacula Falcons, I think, won their last playoff game, and the North Gwinnett Bulldogs went down. Oh, did Decula win? I thought they won. I honestly, I guess I. I always forget to look for Decula because they're not uh, a 7A like so many of the other Gwinnett County schools. But yeah, yeah I saw... Uh... They went down to Brunswick or something, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw Brookwood, yeah, beat beat North this past week. But yeah, I, it's interesting. I think in the in the final eight in 7A, I think uh, Lowndes, I think, might be the only South Georgia school left. I think hmm. they're all like Metro Atlanta. It's like Roswell, Brookwood... Roswell won. I know Brookwood won. Mill Milton Creek, won. Milton's in there, yeah. Mill Creek barely won, I think. Did they beat McEachern or something? And then... Sure. Um, I just saw the bracket. Well, the best team is Collins Hill, who's undefeated. Oh, and just, Collins Hill, yeah. yeah. I forgot about it. Yeah, they're like the number one. They're like the number three team in the country, I think. Yeah. I don't understand what happened there. Why they're suddenly... Oh, and I think Grayson won as well. well I um, think Travis Hunter is back. But, like, even before that, he's missed most of the year. But I just... I just it was more of a, a broader question of, like, I don't understand how collins hill became this superpower like they were so bad for both of our uh lives growing up in football they were i mean they were the maya well, see, moore they school were they were good. basketball yeah i feel like they were always good when i was growing up like over there because i grew up in the console area mm-hmm. but then yeah i think the last 10 years maybe even more they, they haven't been that good so they kind of out of nowhere just kind of this powerhouse season because what's the horn where's he committed do you know oh uh, like, yeah mizzou back? Yeah, so I mean, he's big time too. So well, he was originally UT. He flipped to Mizzou after Pruitt got fired. Mm, I didn't realize that. Yeah, uh, we right. to get a get a number that's not in the twenties once he gets <laughs> to college. It grinds my gears every time I see that guy. I wonder if he'll do that in college. I don't know. You pull the Heath Schuler. Mm. Do you think Jordan Davis should have to wear a different uh, jersey when he lines up at fullback? No, why would okay. you? Do that? college you any anyone can wear anything except okay. for quarterbacks that's the only that's the only ones they care about you just can't just zero to 19 um the heisman stuff is bonkers because like i did not think i would get to this point but like it, it makes me uh physically unwell to admit matt green that i think jordan davis is like my favorite for the heisman at this point really you going out on the limb well i jordan think davis you finally drinking the kool-aid well here's what i can say when i was thinking about the heisman this weekend because i think i saw someone i think it was someone in my family group chat who was like uh bryce young heisman favorite for sure and then i saw like someone throw out cj stroud and obviously we'll get to him and his great weekend but i can't forget about his early season and i can't forget about um bryce young just getting through a lot of clunkers here and it's not like he i mean he's obviously a great quarterback but it just it doesn't feel like any particular offensive player has separated themselves all that months all that much rather so i'm like i feel like the years where the offense uh, the offensive side of the ball doesn't separate themselves from the pack it should go to a defensive guy like i think that should be the rule within the voting rights where it's like i think that's sound logic mm -hmm. 
like it's just the Heisman is such this like perfect storm of you know formula of what makes a Heisman he's got to have that Heisman moment he's got to be on a on a contender you know he's got to play a prominent position usually quarterback maybe running back we've seen yeah once or twice they go to a wide receiver but it's basically a quarterback on one of the contenders every year that's it's like just this such perfect formula and in 2021 there's not really a quarterback that necessarily fits in that formula obviously you got Stroud and Bryce Young have been you know they're on top three teams right now but it it feels like a cop-out when you just when you're just looking oh it's the quarterback on the one of the best teams yeah obviously give it to him because don't get me wrong CJ Stroud has had a great season, but I look at his team and it's like, well, he's like the fourth best player on that offense. Like they're just loaded with just stars. And while he's the quarterback and he puts up great stats, how can I say a guy's the best player in the nation if I don't think he's the best player on his team? So, and that's honestly the, what I, 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 I hesitate to go all in on Jordan Davis for the Heisman because I'm like, well, N'Kobe Dean might be the best player on Georgia's defense, right? Like, Will Anderson should be a legitimate contender for the Heisman. Like, these guys are incredible. And like you're saying, like, there hasn't been that that one offensive player that's just, you know, he's just dynamic. Like, Joe Burrow, Johnny Manziel, like, we just saw these guys. Derrick Henry just took, took games over, like – there hasn't really been that. I think Bryce Young would probably be my favorite right now. I, I felt like early on, he was kind of doing the same thing CJ Stroud. He felt more like a game manager, like not disrespecting him, but it was just like, you have tight players, just get the tight players the ball and just and do your thing. It seems like the second half of the season, now they've gotten in some of these close games, you're actually seeing him have to make plays and run around and like show like just how impressive he is. I've definitely come come a long way on my opinion of Bryce Young today than it was you know two months ago so I think he might be the favorite but yeah I mean I think Jordan Davis should get legitimate uh consideration I mean this Georgia defense what they're doing is just absurd and defense is just such a team award but the fact that he's kind of the the soul of that defense it, it counts for something just because we we haven't seen a defensive unit this good in a decade you know mm-hmm. i think that that counts for something i think that's fair and i also just think it's like the defining it, it's something where when you look back 15 years from now and you if you saw jordan davis's name you're like oh yeah do you remember that georgia defensive season that's why he won it and that's why the the heisman that year went to a defender was because georgia's defense was just unlike anything else especially for that era like Devonte Smith, we remember more than anything else. Like what he was doing to opposing defenses. Joe Burrow on that run, you remember. Oh yeah, that season. That's what I think the Heisman should ultimately be. Is like that person you just they took everyone by storm during that season. You're just like this was just incredible and what they were doing. Like that was the the highlight of the season. The highlight, the high of the highs, I guess. I think that's a fair point, and I think the conference championship because. It is still so wide open. I think those conference championship games could go a long way in deciding it. You know, if, if mm. Georgia just put up, you know, as good as Georgia's defense has been, you know, there's still some question from some people on how, how good all the offenses are they've played. You know, the SEC East isn't necessarily murderer's row by any means. So there's still some sort of question on, oh, is it the competition? Are they really this good? If you saw them come out in the SEC championship and, you know, shut out Alabama I'm not saying they're going to but if they just did something absolutely extraordinary like that I think that would really get 
you know, boost the momentum of the the Jordan Davis Heisman hype. Or if Jordan Davis just takes over Bryce, right? Like if you have some shots of Jordan Davis just disrupting this offensive line and just terrorizing Bryce Young, that completely flips it. Yeah, I definitely think it could. But yeah, right now, and especially C.J. Stroud this weekend too, like Michigan State we knew going in was the worst pass defense in college football, right? And that was that was even with kind of a weak schedule. Like they hadn't even played the juggernaut pass offenses yet, and they were still 130th. And C.J. Stroud comes out and throws six touchdowns and 500 yards in, in two quarters basically. Like it was impressive what he did, but I don't really feel like I learned anything from him, you know, dominating the worst pass defense in college football. That's like, fair. That's fair. Like, I mean, Ohio State, we learned something about Ohio State for sure. Like, they just straight blasted Michigan State. Like, I felt like it was, you know, I think you had this question proposed. Is this more of an indictment on Michigan State or is Ohio State really this good? I definitely think it's, you know, maybe 50-50. I think Ohio State's the clear number two team right now. But we'll get to that. But, yeah, but Michigan State, I think they're a little... A little on the overrated side. Yeah, and I also think, I just if you have a strong, passionate C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young take, then I'm just like, I don't think you've been watching the season. Like, that just tells me you, like, if you are more, pa- like, if you were passionate and you're like, they've just been the Heisman year, and I'm like, have you watched Matt Corral? Have you watched Kenny Pickett, Sam Hartman? Like, do you really think their seasons are all that different? Like, Grayson McCall's in, insane efficiency. And, like, I just look up and down, and I'm just like, I just, I think they're all great, but like, if you really are trying to tell me that Kenny Pickett's year at Pitt is not any less, is not any less impressive than, um, what Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, I just, I'm like, I don't know. And like what you said, Pickett deserves way more legitimate consideration Mm -hmm. than, than a Matt Corral, honestly. I think Matt Corral boosted his stats against the weak competition to start the year. I feel like as the SEC season has gone on, I feel like he's nowhere really close to that Heisman conversation. Okay. In well, my opinion. That's fair. That's fair. Well, let's get into our biggest takeaways of the weekend, Matt Green. So you're going to tie this into uh, your stat of the week in the green line. Yeah, so let me start it off um, with a, a stat of the weekend um, about the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, as we know, they beat Arkansas this weekend, 42-35. That was their fourth one-possession game of the 2021 season. Hmm. You got to go back three seasons to find four one-possession games that Alabama's played. So 2018, 2019, and 2020 combined, Alabama played four one-possession games, and two of those were in the SEC championship game. So we're 11 games to the regular season, and Alabama's played as many one-possession games as the last three years combined, which we're just not used to. uh, We're just used to Alabama just dominating everyone they played. Um, So I thought that was an interesting stat uh, over the weekend. And then... You know I've hit the the listeners multiple times with Dan Mullen's record uh, mm. versus Power 5 competition. Well, we know Dan Mullen was fired today. That's the big story of the day. And uh, pre-Marco pre Wilson shoe throw, Dan Mullen was 29-6 and six at Florida. Since Marco Wilson threw that shoe, he is 5-9, and nine, and now he is no longer the head coach of the Florida Gators. Do you see a statement where he he talked about the two national titles? Man, he's uh, he's grooving himself in with those, huh? He is. I mean, I mean, that's fair. He was there, but like, that's but not a thing coaches like, do. That's no, not a it's not. it's not a thing. That's a no, weird Dan weird Mullen way of going is, out. 
I'll be honest. I feel very vindicated. Mm. I see a lot of Georgia my, fans uh, are very vindicated my about it. Of Dan Mullen. I'll be honest. Like I'm not I'm not dancing on the man's grave or anything, but I just felt like like the I, I was taking crazy pills. You know, I felt like mm. I could see something, and a lot of Georgia fans saw this guy's a phony. You know, it's just there's just something about him that's just so just so unlikable. And I think after a while so many people saw it and it's like there was this narrative that he does more with less and all that and it's like yeah he's a great play caller and he's an excellent offensive mind but at the end of the day as a head coach of a college football program 50 percent of your job at least is about recruiting and getting the recruits you know on campus so i think um I think Mullen was just so such a bad recruiter that Florida fans like question the university's ability to recruit, right? It's just like, well, you know, we don't we don't spend the money. We like they almost convince themselves they're like a small market team, you know? It's like, well, yeah, but for what we're doing, for who we can get, you know, we're doing a great job. Like I think the the right guy comes into Florida. I think this is going to be such a quick fix. Like I think Florida is so ready to be back. Like not ready now. But it's just not going to be that difficult to get Florida back. It's just if if the guy is so unlikable, like that's that's it. You know, that's the that's the smoking gun. That's why you can't recruit. Like people just don't like you. That's like a it's a simple thing. Well, you're gonna bring in a guy that people like. You know, a Billy Napier, a Lane Kiffin. Like it's gonna be night and day. Florida is a is a powerhouse. We've never seen a combination. Definitely not when you include Florida. But with Florida State and Miami being this bad at the same time, but we, we've definitely not seen all three of them be all this bad at one time. But it's like the state is wide open. Like I know everyone's coming into the Florida from all over the country to get talent, but there's still so much to go around. And a good, the right guy can come in and, and Florida, will be, Florida will be a quicker fix than I think some might think. I think, well, I mean, think about it with Mullen. His first two years, didn't he go to New Year's Six Bowls? His first yeah, two years? Yeah, they lost four games, which, I mean, there's talk, you know, they gave up on McIlwain, kind of, or whatever. But, yeah, that was a 4-7 and seven team the year before Mullen got there. And then, yeah, it started off with 10-3 and three and then 11-2. and two. That's what scares me. Is Like, I was reading for Mullen to get one more year anyway. Like, this this is this makes the SEC East, uh, like, a lot more volatile this offseason. Um, we'll see. Like, their recruiting is going to get hurt no matter what. This is pretty late in the process, and I don't know. I think uh, Florida is going to be in some trouble there. But um, I don't know. I really have no idea what to make because you see names popping up from all over the place, um, and we'll get to, to some of those. But, like, you mentioned Napier. He's been waiting and very choosy to this point. I think that's probably, like, it would not be a flashy name, but I actually think that would be a really, really smart fit. Um, and I would See, like I think that. That's definitely. I think that is flashy at this point. Like maybe not mainstream. Everybody, everybody knows who he is, but I think his name is around there enough that that seems like one of the top guys they want. And like you said, I think this is the kind of job Napier has been waiting for, waiting patiently. I mean, that would be interesting. But I'm I'm rooting against them doing it right. And thankfully, I don't really have. I'm not sure Scott Strickland is the guy I want making this next hire. So um, I don't know where he's going to go. Um, I, I think they're going to go CEO coach this time, though. They're going with the, the Mac Brown type. So I don't know where that will get. Like, I the Bob Stoop stuff 
really speaks to me. Like that would not surprise me no, whatsoever. I don't think there's any chance of that. Okay. I mean, why would Bob Stoops go to come out of retirement for Florida? So he coached in the XFL not too long ago. So he did take another job um, coaching football not too long ago. He's a Fox analyst. He obviously has strong ties to Florida, D.C. under Spurrier. Um, I, I, like he's going back to Florida. It's not like you're coming out of retirement for Nebraska for Indiana or something. It's it's Florida. That's true. Um, I just wouldn't discount that. It it just depends on the itch, right? It depends on how strong his itch is. Like, I I mean, we just saw Urban. How, how old is Bob Stoops? He's only sixty one. So is that a long-term hire? See, I just I think these days I think you want the next guy. I think you want to get a young up-and-coming guy. And you know Billy Napier doesn't necessarily have ties to Florida, so you know, I don't think that should maybe, matter. Urban didn't have maybe, ties, and then he no, went one national titles. Yeah, he could leave for another job if something bigger, mm, like Alabama saying, yeah. or a Clemson opened up or something like that later down the road or something. Not like Kirby just going to Georgia and no one no one could convince Kirby to go anywhere from Georgia. You know, so you're you might not be able to find a candidate that perfect, but you're going to. I, I feel like it just it's better to get the younger guy. I think, and then Lane Kiffin. Lane Kevin's built in that urban Steve Spurrier mold. Like, mm-hmm. that Dan Mullen desperately wanted to pretend that he was built from. Like, I think that the the Lane Kiffin hire is what would scare, I think, rival fan bases the most. That's probably true. Um, it just depends on, like, if Lane's ready to get back in the big game. Because, like, he is a really good thing at Ole Miss. Um, he is on a trajectory where he can win eight to nine games most years have a seven and five year six and six every now and then and they're happy like every the folks in jackson are are happy you go to florida that's this is it like there's no going back after that then you're an offensive coordinator for a while and then that's probably like it's just gonna be hard to get back on the top of the top um after the runs at oakland and usc and tennessee and old miss now like I think he he's already done the Alabama rehab. Like you can't do that again and then get another head coaching job and start this process all over again. So I think if I'm Kiffin, I'm very careful about this this next job because I think it's the last big time power five job I get uh, in college football. So, I mean, do you think you can you can withstand the heat? Do you want it? Do you do you want to go to Florida? Like, I, I don't know. I, I would I think it would I be think- a slam dunk higher, but I just don't know for him if he's ready to move on because he really hasn't i mean he has not been at old miss uh long at all now so i don't know i would be careful if i were him no that's definitely true and i think old miss could be slightly <clears throat> on the underrated side like i mean hugh freeze we're not that long ago from hugh freeze going to back-to-back new year's six games so like they were a they were a good team back in 2014 2015 so like like you said like he, he's come to mississippi to, I almost said Mississippi State. He's come to Ole Miss, and he's like the guy there. And it's not just – it's not a group of five school. Like, it's a big-time SEC West program. Like, yeah, you might still have to go through Alabama to win the conference or to even win your division, but they're not that far from that. Like, you're saying, yeah, they're cool winning eight and nine games. It's like I mean, they could win 11 games this year. Like, they're one win away from a 10-2 and two regular season and a New Year's Six Bowl. Like – and this is year two. I, I wonder if, if if Lane Kiffin would feel like I'm making the same decision right now of leaving Tennessee for USC if I left Ole Miss for Florida. You know, it's like it's he seems like the perfect candidate for Florida, but it feels like that 
that X factor that his past decisions might prevent him from jumping ship super quickly. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what he wants to do. But he's going to have his, like, it, I just am curious how LSU is going to factor into all of this because LSU is a much better job. It's not even close. I don't think it's particularly close that LSU is a better job than Florida. Um, I just, I'm curious what, what that does to the, the options. Do they wait on LSU to make a move and then they figure out? Because like I, if I'm a coach, I'm waiting to see what LSU does before I talk to Florida. Like well, I, you, you mm. got to think someone like Billy Napier, you know, mm-hmm. he's currently at Louisiana, so he might not be from there or anything, but LSU has got to be his first choice, right? If mm-hmm. he could. So if Florida offers you the job tomorrow, do you take it or you wait to see what LSU does, you know? So like, even from that perspective, it, so who is your favorite right now? It, would you say Napier or Kiffin, or you're, are you thinking someone else? Are you asking who do I think they're going to pick, or who would I pick if I were Scott Strickland? Either way, either one. I think Strickland's going to focus on Bob Stoops, strike out. Bob's going to flirt for a little bit, strike out, and then he goes like, I think Franklin's staying at Penn State. I think he'll call about Fickle and then he'll wind up at like, hmm. I think he winds up at like Zach Arnett from uh, from Mississippi State or Barry Odom from Arkansas. You think Barry Odom could be the next coach at Florida? I could. I don't think this is no, going to go as well. No, there's no chance. I'm not a Scott Strickland guy and I don't think this is, I, I remember who it was before this. It was Jim McElwain. It was Will Muschamp. It, they've done Ron Zook. Like, it's not like you Will should... Will Muschamp ex- was, like, the hottest co- next up-and-coming coaching candidate at that time, though. Like, he was the head coach in waiting at Texas and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, so Will Muschamp, the, I, I can't agree with you. That is just kind of hindsight. But McIlwain, that was definitely out of left field. Um, I didn't know much about McIlwain when he got that job. But it's like Urban Meyer was also, you know, from Utah and... Mm-hmm. Oh, is this is that offense going to work down in the SEC? So there's all that talk. So, well, he said know. he wants a consistent there winner. That's what he said in the in the in the presser. So, like based on that, what I would do if I was if I was Scott Strickland, my top three calls would be Matt Campbell one. I'm calling Campbell, and uh, like yeah. likable. That seems more on par with what I'm thinking with for Florida. I think that would be a slam dunk if they could pry matt campbell away like that's the type of out of the box like the urban type thinking where you need to be thinking not a sec florida person you need to be thinking broader and if you do go the sec route i think kiffin is the safest of the sec coaching tree type deal um you could be like would you be concerned if dan lanning left georgia for this job like would you be like oh no oh how do we replace him what do we do here I'm curious. I don't know the answer to that. I, I probably wouldn't just because Kirby Smart is the – he's a defensive guy, and then you would have Schumann and Muschamp still on the staff. So, mm-hmm. like, if he had been the defensive coordinator the whole time Kirby had been there, then I might care a little bit more. But he's only been – I think this is his third year on the as the D.C., so mm-hmm. I don't think that would be that big of a deal. But I also don't feel like Florida is going to go a defensive guy. They just seem like they have to – they seem like that one of those teams that has to win a certain way. Like, but see, I think they're going to go defense. If I had to bet, it's going to go defensive guy because it flips. Look okay. at this. You went from Mullen to McIlwain to Muschamp to Urban to Zook. Who well, was like McIlwain was an offensive guy. 
Yeah, he, or I guess he was. Yeah, but Matt, Muschamp wasn't. And then before Muschamp was... I don't know what Zook Urban. was, to be honest. <laughs> well, I mean, he was a special teams after. Yeah. not a very good coach. Exactly. Um, but you just see this in jobs. Going, I think if you're going with a proven guy, I think Campbell and Franklin seem like the best, the best they could do. Yeah, I don't think Franklin's leaving though, based on the comments this week and what he said at the touchdown club a couple days ago. Yeah, that that's uh, true. I think Franklin, Franklin signing with CA and Jimmy Sexton. I think uh, he he got some more money <laughs> to stay in Happy Valley, which is also a top ten job. So I just like if I'm leaving Penn oh, State, I don't know about that. Top ten. Yeah, Penn State's top 10. Because you can win a national title at Penn State. You can still do that. Yeah, you can. I don't know if it'd be top 10 if I start naming them. I'd say Good recruiting area. I think you can win at Penn State consistently. No, you can. But I'd say third best program in the the Big 10. Who do you have in front of them outside of Ohio State? I think that the number two program. I'd say Michigan's a better program. No, no. Michigan doesn't have the talent base. No. Penn State's better job. Michigan seems to recruit better consistently than the Penn State. I don't think since Franklin's been there. They're they're right there together though. It's okay. been a while for Michigan. And then you have the paternal. I, I don't know. I just I like it's close, but I would still take Penn State as the number two job in the Big Ten. Um, but yeah, okay. But you're you're strong. Like, uh, was that everything with the the takeaways for you? Yeah, those are my top takeaways of the okay. weekend. Okay. Other than oh, and Oregon, and yeah, Oregon's done. Oregon's done, and I'm so glad I try about to tell it. People every year, like I just don't buy Mario Cristobal. The Pac-12 has just been theirs for the taking. Nobody else that's challenging on a national scale. Like, they should what, – what is this? They've been to two playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. Oregon's not been to one, but the Pac-12 has been to two of the eight playoffs so far. It's like Oregon, with the competition, they should have been getting their Clemson on in the Pac-12 and, mm-hmm. like, just just smoking through that. They should have been at least two or three playoff op- uh, appearances to this point. And they just, like – Every year, they just don't get it done. So I feel like Cristobal, in my opinion, might be like number one most overrated coach in college football. Mm. Well, he hires well. Like that's the best thing about Cristobal and Mac Brown and guys like that. If you're gonna have the CEO coach, you better hire well. And uh, he does like Andy Avalos, and then um, with Joe Moorhead, and like he knows how to hire coordinators, but. Um, he knows his strengths and weaknesses, but I think it's just more of like he didn't do enough in the portal. Like Ty Thompson's might be a good player in the future, but like going into the year with Anthony Brown and true freshman and Thompson was just not a good move when you're trying to win a national title. And Anthony Brown was just never going to be good enough. Like he just wasn't. Like he's your back. Like he's your fail safe. Like Tennessee would have loved it. Like we had our own Anthony Brown and Hendon Hooker, but like we're not gunning for national titles. We don't have national title talent. And I think them not doing more in the portal to shore up that quarterback room before the season uh, turned out to be uh, what did them in. So, be- so mm. you don't think Oregon has national title talent? No, I'm saying they do. That's the difference with them in Tennessee. It's like you can't, oh, okay. like you can't do that. You can't play this game <laughs> that they did and be like, well, we can get the most out of Anthony Brown and he can he can get us there. It's like no, he's Anthony Brown. Like he has a he has a ceiling. Like you're not. Well, I have I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Not to catch you off there. Um, but uh, I've heard Crystal Ball – I almost said Crystal Ball. I've heard Crystal Ball's name mentioned multiple times, like, with Florida and Miami. Like, do you think Crystal Ball would leave Oregon for anywhere else? For Miami, yes. Florida, no. I just – He has a lot I of ties know, to that area. The Nike and... thing with Oregon, like, mm. 
I wonder. I don't. I wonder if you like Oregon is in such an interesting spot. Like, I wonder if you view that as a destination job because we haven't seen anyone ever win a national championship there. Like, you've seen what two national championship appearances? So, like, theoretically, you have to say you can win a national title at Oregon, but they haven't competed as as you know regularly as you would like. But the Nike stuff. Like the Nike money, I feel like that just has to go so way, so far on like how good of a job this is, and it just comes to the facilities and everything they have. But I don't know, Miami just Miami just seems like such a different job than it was. 20 well, years ago. let's go like, ahead I and throw this out. He's from leaving. Miami. He played for Jimmy Johnson and Dennis Erickson at Miami. He started off as a grad assistant at Miami. Like, it's true, think, but you got to yeah. make decisions with your head sometimes, not your heart. I mean, it, it's really hard to say no to your, your, your home job. Like, it's just really hard if they come calling and offer a certain amount of money. And if he, like, wants to get out of the Pacific Northwest and his family's like, yeah, can we go back to Miami? Can, uh, can we go back to the, to the beach? Can, can we do that? I wonder. I, I bet Eugene, Oregon's an awesome place to live as well. Can I give you a crystal ball fact? Especially if you're a millionaire. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if you're from Miami, I don't know. I, yeah, I could see I'm you sure. being like, I, I'm, I'm good on Eugene. Um, can I give you a crystal ball fact? Yeah. So after, <laughs> it's from Wikipedia, so take this for, for all it's worth. But um, after his football playing career, crystal ball went through a two-year application process to become a U.S. Secret Service agent and was offered a job in 1998. Wow. I could see that. He looks. He looks like he could be a Secret Service agent. He changed his mind at the last minute and became a grad assistant at Miami. That's wild. How different his life would have been. He was. In- uh, he was real high up there. I don't know if you saw someone did an ESPN. Someone on ESPN did a story like a year or two ago about head coaches in a wrestling tournament. Mm. And uh, I think he did pretty well. I think there's the a North Texas coach. I forget his name. Seth Luttrell. I think he's like. Yeah, I think he's like a multi-time like state wrestling champion or something. <laughs> he's like super diesel, but he was everyone's number one. But Cristobal was up there. I don't think I was ever described as super diesel growing up. <laughs> Josh Heupel was just a step below uh, Cristobal, I think. That's not, not that necessary. <laughs> um, hey, he that won a national title. Uh, that looked like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Josh Heupel won a national title, sir. As a player. He did. As a player, he unlocked Drew Locke. He looks he looks very different now than he did. As no, a he looks he looks as good as ever. Twenty twenty one years ago. No, he looks fine. Well, man, Josh, you you look fine. Twenty one years since Oklahoma's won a national title. By the way, that's mm-hmm. that's a long time. I'm a Georgia fan over here. I know 1980s been thrown in my face a lot, but uh, 2000 wasn't wasn't as recent as it actually seems. Matt. It's hard to win a national title. You go through the last hundred years. Not a lot of teams have won national titles. Not a lot. Like it's it's tough. It's a tough thing. Um, The best thing you can hope for is just consistency and being in the conversation. That's all you want is to be in the conversation year over year. Um, Last coaching thing. Now that Sark and the Texas Longhorns are not going bowling, I think he's off to the worst first year start of any Texas coach. In like a preposterous amount of time. I forgot which coach's name popped up there. And I was like, that's not a real person. Um, which tells you all you need to know about how long ago it was that someone started this poorly. That it sounded like a made up television character. Um, <laughs> this is bad. Um, Weak McKenzie or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's really bad. And I wanted to combine this with Jeff Collins. Because it is Georgia Tech Week for you. 
And these two coaches, different trajectories at this point. Jeff Collins is quietly in year four, correct? This is year four. Is that right? It's year four, I think, isn't it? I wasn't thinking he'd been there that long. Let me, I gotta, I'll pull that up. It is year three at the absolute earliest, or absolute uh, earliest, yeah. Um, I thought he got, I thought this was year four, but I could be wrong. Um, Um, This is year three. Okay, he got the job in 2018, I guess. Okay. Um, Yeah. So he's going into year four. He's local from Conyers, went to Rockdale, all that's cool. You got blown out 55 to nothing. And this is going to lead into my tweet that I, I tweeted out that I sent to you. And I, I sent my family group chat into a, a tailspin revealing this news about Notre Dame. But um, Jeff Collins getting blown out 55 nothing, looking awful, 9-24 and 24 to this point, making 3 mil a year at Tech. He seems like a really likable dude. He's trying. Um, my I, I just I, I don't have the podcast uh, to fall back on with this, but I remember at the time telling people, I was like, oh, this is a disaster. He's doing what? He's going to try and out-recruit Georgia? He's going to go one-on-one? What? I think y'all are in for a rude awakening. Paul Johnson got you to the the Orange Bowl. Paul Johnson was like, hey, I can't recruit. I, I can't do any of this. We're just going to double down on what I can do, and we're going to annoy the crap out of people and uh, so go on these random 10-2 and two runs. And... That's a more winnable formula at Georgia Tech than the style of we're just going to be Clemson. See, we're going to be Georgia. I, I'm going to respectfully disagree with you okay. here. First of all, I'm going to put myself on blast okay. because I was a believer in Jeff Collins. Not that I thought he was going to bring Tech back to glory or anything, but I was a believer that they were going – that. Just the way I heard him talk about Georgia Tech, the way he viewed Georgia Tech as a as a like a destination job, and the fact that he he was there um, when Saban got the job at Alabama, and he he worked at Tech as a grad assistant, he just had a lot going for him. And I've also felt like the biggest thing that like the biggest problem I've had with Georgia Tech in recent years is they don't rep Atlanta enough. Like that's one of the best sales pitch pitches they have going for them. So the fact that Jeff Collins was the first guy in like that I can remember actually, you know, marketing Atlanta and everything like he has, like I thought that is that's what I thought felt like the biggest the reason biggest reason I was buying into Jeff Collins. But I'm afraid it might be a situation of Jeff Collins had to die so Georgia Tech can live, kind of thing. <laughs> because you had to get out of the Paul Johnson era. Like yeah, they yeah, they were good every like five, six years, but like Georgia Tech is not just some like cupcake that's like never good at football. Like it's not that long ago that Georgia Tech was consistently good in the ACC. So while they might not be able to go head to head with Georgia, like Steve Spurrier built South Carolina on getting that second and third tier talent out of the state of Georgia. Like Kentucky's always James Franklin and Vanderbilt. They were constantly the middle pack of the SEC was constantly poaching the third-tier talent out of the state of Georgia. So there's no reason Auburn has always gotten some of those players that Georgia didn't recruit as heavily. So I feel like if Georgia Tech could start getting the 20th to 40th best players in the state, like that's enough to make them competitive. And so you haven't seen the tangible results of that, but if you can just have a a program that's you know got adidas and they they have a legitimate uniforms now and they actually look like a acc program now unlike the paul johnson era like 
it, it, he might have bridged the gap. He might not be the guy to do it, but Georgia Tech might not be as irrelevant of a college football program when the next guy's taken over. Maybe. I just, I'm a believer in the claw fence. I'm a believer in coaches at like this, I don't want to say smaller market, but it's kind of like, that's how I view a lot of college football programs now is that like, I look at it under the terms of like, okay, or I guess through the lens that like, okay, Tennessee is not in a state that has the kind of like Pruitt literally just stopped recruiting Tennessee. Like he was like, we're going elsewhere. I'm going to get people from all over the country, all that kind of stuff. We're not locking down the state. Hypo comes in. They're like, we're locking down the state and has Jerry Mack going to Memphis and like Rodney Gardner, like all this kind of stuff. Two totally different philosophies. I think Hypo's is more sustainable because you can lock down Tennessee. You have a system that like you can fall back on if you don't have the players. Like anybody can play in this kind of scheme. Like anybody can play in this kind of scheme. Jeff Collins is a CEO coach. And if you watch a lot of Georgia Tech's game, Georgia Tech games, their scheme's not great. Dave Patton, I'm just not sure, is a good offensive coordinator. They haven't figured out the quarterback stuff. Jeff Sims is okay. Yates might be good in a year. I just, I don't think the way they play, they don't really have an identity. They don't really do enough. Like, if you're going to be the CEO type coach, you need to be Mac Brown. Immediately come in there, recruit your tail off, like hire the right offensive mind in Jeff Levy um to immediately or not jeff levy who is it lambo limbo what is his name i always get those two backwards levy's with kiffin what is the the guy who was also at old miss what is his name um he was with rich rod and at old miss and matt luke why am i blanking on his name phil lambo um (laughs) but either way um he was like we're going to high octane throw the ball over the place air raid type and we're hiring the, the army defensive coordinator uh, Jay Bateman, or whatever his name is. And they were really, really good right away. Georgia Tech has to pick something. Like, it doesn't have to be the triple option, but you got to have the coastal look. You got to have the air raid. Some very, like, variation of the air raid. I don't think them, they're never going to get enough of a recruiting cycle over a four-year span to play the type of style that it looks like that they're trying to do. Like, Notre Dame just beat the living crap out of them on Saturday. And they're nowhere near competing. Like, they're nowhere near... Because Notre Dame's basically an ACC school. Like, we could just call... Even though they won't uh, go back to the conference full-time, they're playing a lot of ACC teams. Notre Dame's an ACC school. They're the best team in the ACC this year. And Right, right in the heart of Big Ten country and, and the Atlantic coast. <laughs> Right. But my broader point is like that was the measuring stick of like where they are year three and like where they've got to go. And this brings us back to like Sark where it's like, oh, hold this on, is, hold on. Mm-hmm. Before you before you leave Georgia Tech, I think Georgia Tech, Paul Johnson did to Georgia Tech exactly what Dan Mullen did to Florida, mm. but on different scales. Like he recruited so bad that Florida fans forgot that they even had the ability to recruit well. It's like, yeah, just get a guy who's not a douche and you'll start getting good players again. I promise. Like, it's not going to be that hard. Like a guy who, you know, brings new energy to the, to the program. But with Georgia Tech, it's like you're running a 1940s offense for a decade and people just forgot about you in the southeast. Like, there's no reason an ACC program right in the heart of – college football like country basically atlanta georgia like there's no reason why that program can't be successful and get you know three-star recruits coming out of the state of georgia to go to georgia tech like 
that that's all it would take to start getting them relevant. Like I don't I don't feel like it's like people talk about the academics like that's a total overrated storyline in, in in my in my opinion. Like in the 90s Georgia Tech was really good like a lot of years. Like they won a national championship in 1990, a, a split national title, but so it's like they 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 could recruit enough to get players, you know, their classes whatever. They there there was things for the players to take. Classes for the players to take in the 90s. I'm sure they they can still uh, find plenty of people who can take classes at Georgia Tech. It's not like everyone has to take, you know, some sort of smart major that I can't even come up with off the top of my top of my head uh, that happens at Georgia Tech. You know, so I always think that's an overblown uh, just narrative that they just they don't have the ability to get players at Georgia Tech. Okay. Like Northwestern and Stanford can get good players. Like Georgia Tech can get good players. I guess Northwestern doesn't get that good of players, but point remains the same stanford gets good players georgia tech the the talent in the state of georgia is is so much better than than those areas um but to bring it back to sark too is that like i don't think his seat's warm it's been a crazy crazy season like just all-time worst luck in a lot of ways and just some crazy off the field stuff involving monkeys and everything else um it's just been a season you want to forget and you want to get past this sark's gonna recruit Sark, I still think, is one of the best offensive minds in college football. Um, I think this is this is all pretty bad. But but I don't I, I still like I, I just can't quit that, even though with all the embarrassing losses, because I've just seen how good of an offensive mind is he is and seen what he did at uh, Washington and what he was on his way to doing at USC. Like I I don't know. I just don't think that guy's gone. And I just Texas is just weird. Like, there's something in the water. I don't understand why Texas just can't get out of its own way uh, to this point. But I'm just curious from your perspective. Do you think um, he should be on the hot seat just because it's Texas? And that's why I was comparing the difference with uh, George Tech and Texas is that, like, Texas is one of the few jobs where it's like, you should have an extremely short leash because of the recruiting area, because of the program, because of what you can easily do in one cycle. Like, come in and win right away with those players. Like, USC gave... Part of the reason we were all so fresh over USC was, like, Clay Helton's fine, but, like, you're USC. You can do better. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, you should not be... Like, in what you said with Florida, it's like, you're Florida. You're USC. You're Texas. And it's like... If Texas thinks that, like, if they go four and eight, if Texas really does, like, I'm okay with firing him because it's like, you're Texas. That's not so acceptable. You're okay, you're okay with firing Sarkeesian this year? If they go four and eight, like, I would, like, it would be tough to eat, but everyone's eating a bunch of buyout money. Like, everybody is. No. And if, if they fired, if they fired Sarkeesian this year, Texas is, like, no longer a top 10 job in Ooh, college football, honestly. Okay. Like, that's so absurd if they were to fire him after year one. Like, everyone just knows all that goes into college football and just how recruiting is just the lifeblood of the sport. And you're at such a disadvantage in this early signing period era now when, when you take over. Like, you're not as, especially now with the transfer portal, like, you're as unprepared as ever to be good year one, you know? And it's like, if Texas is just going to, you know, just fire a coach every time they have a bad season, like you're not going to find a good coach. that's going to want to go there. Like, it's just, it's just not going to happen. So I think honestly, if you, if they fired him next year, I think it could have that sort of result that it's just, no one wants to touch that job. Like I think Florida is, 
is kind of in a position similar to that with you got Muschamp four years, but he had two losing seasons, I believe. And then McIlwain wins two SEC East or wins the goes to the SEC Championship both of his first two years and then gets fired year three. McIl or Mullen had a lot of success and then gets fired year four. But it seems like there's personality things off the field going on with Mullen and McIlwain. But if you just get to the point where you're this school that just fires a coach every three or four years, I think after a while it has a lasting impact and and coaches aren't excited and aren't that excited to 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 take that job so no i I think if if you were to if someone were to suggest he's on the hot seat this year i think that's just insanely premature do you know why jeff collins is not getting fired this offseason why is that uh he's on a seven-year contract yeah, so he's somewhere like Georgia Tech, like that might be legitimate. They're like, ah, we'd we'd rather have a lame duck coach <laughs> than uh, than pay the money for a buyout. Oh my gosh, I just it's not going anywhere. I I don't think it gets fixed. But maybe you're right that he he had to fall for the next one to rise. Um, I just, just yeah, you gotta bring him back to the 21st century, and then maybe someone can do something with that job. Um. Well, let's get into um. He's a big Waffle House guy, by the way. I don't oh, know if you're aren't aware. we all? What is your go-to Waffle House order? Oh, well, you know, I'm a I'm an all-star special. You mm-hmm. know, no big deal. So. Can you do that in one sitting? How do you feel after an all-star special? I'll be honest. The last time I uh, got an all-star special, I did eat like half of it. I mm-hmm. um I used to go to Waffle House way more. Mm-hmm. Um, I I probably haven't been to Waffle House in like a year. Oh, you Maybe didn't even once. go during the playoff run. No, honestly, I should have. I felt I felt like I wasn't doing my part, uh, but the Braves still got it done. That's true. But but um, yeah, go with the All Star hash browns. What covered and chunked? What is that? What it is? Smothered yeah, and covered? Ham and cheese. Okay, covered and chunked. And then uh, do you like ham? Are you a ham guy? It's like yeah, I like. I don't mind some ham. Okay, are you ham but or it's got turkey? Like little chunks, little cube. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's that's quality. Oh no, that's um, not quality. Bacon and eggs. Ugh waffle the blueberry waffle i don't even know if they have it anymore i know they got rid of it and they brought it back i don't know if it's still there blueberry waffles where it's at though i don't disagree are you a pancake or waffle person uh i i'm uh to quote office space michael bolton you know Mm kind of like them all (laughs) (laughs) oh man now i'm hungry uh yeah i'd probably go waffle though if i had to choose yeah there you go. There you go. Um, we'll get into some Thanksgiving stuff on the Wednesday show. Uh, we, we still have one more show before Thanksgiving, so we'll save some some Thanksgiving takes for that. Um, let's get into our pick recap this weekend. Matt Green, how did we do? Mm, how did we do? <laughs> so um, I think I've locked this thing up for the uh, season, I will say. Mm. Uh, your boy went 9-2 and two overall. Mm. Uh this weekend just six and five against the spread uh you sir went six and five overall uh but just four and seven against the spread so uh you were not making the listeners any money this weekend and uh zeus also home dog of the week stanford did uh did not pay out i think what what did they lose by 30 that was a cal absolutely blew the doors off stanford this week so I, I meant to – I didn't get to my tweet real quick, so I want to hit touch on this. So Peter Burns of ESPN tweeted this uh, earlier, and this is what, like, made me, like, start putting the wheels together on, like, how this works. Um, but 
like going into the playoff picture and everything, uh, Notre Dame finishes with Stanford this weekend. So Notre Dame, Notre Dame is in all likelihood finishing 11 and one, no conference title game. They're only lost to Cincy. Um, Peter Burns said, quote, Notre Dame decision to stay independent rather than join the ACC is going to cost them a playoff bid this year. Both a loss for the Irish and the ACC who should have fought for more than a year, one year membership in 2020. No champ game plus a home to home loss uh, at Cincy at versus Cincy. It's a double whammy. Okay. None of that is true. Let me just go ahead and drop that. Like Notre Dame did not like Notre Dame staying independent keeps them in the playoff for years and years to come. And especially when it expands, like Notre Dame, you can just go ahead and pencil in for the playoff once we expand to 12 every year forever. Like just go ahead and pencil them in one through 12 somewhere in there. Like they are going to be in there as long as Brian Kelly is running things. So they're fine. And them not losing to Clemson potentially every year or them avoiding some of those pitfalls or a weird pit team in the ACC title game. Guess what? Georgia might not even benefit like if the tables were turned a little bit by having to play Bama in this SEC title game. The idea that staying independent hurts Notre Dame is just, just factually not true. Also, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And on, on top of the fact that like this year's schedule is pretty weak, mm-hmm. but for the most part, Notre Dame playing the national schedule that they do, like they usually have a pretty solid schedule too. Like there's multiple ranked teams. I think this is probably one of the weaker schedules. Like people love to hate on them for a variety of reasons but usually their schedule is pretty legit so yeah i mean if if you're uh i think this year though the conference championship will will prevent them from or the lack of conference championship will prevent them from not being in control of their own fate like i think oklahoma state i think if they run the table mm-hmm. i think oklahoma state would eventually jump notre dame and be a one loss big to big 12 champion but if all those Big 12 teams end up with two losses, which is probably the most likely thing to happen, well, I guess Oklahoma still has one loss too, but the committee just the committee hates Oklahoma this year. The committee is so, not putting one loss Oklahoma in over one loss Notre Dame. I don't think so. But you know what's kind of interesting is Oklahoma State's ranked higher than Oklahoma, but don't you think beating Oklahoma is a better win than beating Oklahoma State? So, like, Oklahoma State has the potential to play Oklahoma and win. It's like, oh, well, they beat Oklahoma. That's a good win. But if Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State, it's like, well, that's Oklahoma State. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah, whatever. They're, they're in the Big 12. That's right. fine. That's what you do. Yeah, so I feel like Oklahoma State actually has an advantage from that perspective. Hmm. But I think if they went – I think Oklahoma – so you don't think Oklahoma State would jump Notre Dame? I don't. Because I think what people – the unfortunate part of this, too, is that ratings matter that ratings and storylines matter. And if they are poised or they're faced with an opportunity of picking between Notre Dame's national audience versus Oklahoma state, they're picking it. Like if you were given the, the opportunity, though, the audience doesn't matter. Like it does. They think about it. They're going to get good ratings. Like, especially no, they're not Georgia, like, because they're blowouts like, and they have to think about this stuff. And I do think they do. Uh, you shouldn't have to think about this stuff. That's not a good reason. That's a good reason for multiple networks to be involved in the playoffs. So. Well, the networks are having conversations about it is what I'm saying. So they're like, they're, that is factored in. Like whether we like it or not, that is factored in. Ratings and narratives are factored into this. I don't this. know about that. I think the the fact that they have one loss, the one they're Notre Dame. There's just that bias that goes. That's what Notre I'm saying. Dame, they're getting period. the benefit of the doubt. But I know I'm just I'm not saying a bias of you know they're going to give them preferential treatment or 
I'm saying biased of just they seem like a better brand, not like you're making a uh, a data decision or anything. You're just you're you're more inclined to believe that they're legitimate because they're Notre Dame, they have strong tradition. But also this year, their only loss is to another team that you have in the playoffs. So right. that that's a that's a quality you know argument, I guess, for if you want to bring up quality losses. But they don't have like Wisconsin, like that's the best win on their whole schedule. Like, I mean, Oklahoma Wisconsin State, looks like a good win now. If Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma mm-hmm. and then beats Baylor in the conference championship, like that's that's way more than I don't disagree. Just that resume alone would put them in over Notre Dame, I think. Well, my broader point was that I don't think that's happening anyway. Like, I don't think that that's. I think Oklahoma that, State. Yeah, and I don't that's think probably true. All Notre Dame needs is one of the Big Twelve to cannibalize itself a little bit they needed oregon to lose they got that and then i mean if ohio state takes care of michigan and then wisconsin i mean even if like that and then georgia beats bama they're in like that's it like they're just in because they don't have to get another blemish on their record they even if if cincinnati goes down they're automatically in like that's just done at this point bama beating georgia keeps notre dame out correct so, that's what they can't have. That's the doomsday scenario. That's really the only thing that can't happen for them to for them to not get in, because you're I, not putting in one loss Notre Dame over one loss Georgia. Correct. Honestly, I think this weekend, I think Oregon losing made the SEC champion made Georgia in regardless. I don't think there's a scenario where Georgia can really not make the playoff now, unless they get think? absolutely blown out, like Alabama just beats them forty nine to seven or something. But I don't even think that's gonna like that's just that, not that happening. Could be true, but. Then you're, you're, you're deciding at, at the craziest scenario is, what, Oklahoma State? You putting in Oklahoma State, Big 12 champion over Georgia or Notre Dame over Georgia? That's what the decision comes down to. And we're it's all dumb possible. at that point. We're like, we all know that none of those are true. Like, we, we both, we, we all know. Like that's college not... football is this weird, yeah. the rankings are this weird combination of eye test slash deserving. Like, you just kind of, we all know how the sport works. Number 10 loses to number five. They have to go down. I'm not really sure why, but this is just how the polls work. Mm. Well, my my end point. We'll get to the games. Is I just if I did like my thing right now. If I if I could gamble, if I could just throw all the money out in the world, I would just throw a bunch at UGA Notre Dame one versus four and Ohio State versus Cincy two three uh, for the playoff. That's my guess. Is what we get. Um, and yeah, then I just want Ohio State nope. Georgia strong Midwest vibe in that playoff. <laughs> It's not bad, but I just, I want to, my main thing is like, I don't even care about that one. I just want to ensure because those playoff first round games are usually duds anyway. I care about getting Ohio state, Georgia in the championship. That's all I want. That is what I want. That is, I want to see the best offense versus the best defense. That's why you got to make sure you're getting the four best teams as best you can. You can't worry about ratings and such nonsense. Like you're talking about over here. (laughs) Um, well, where were you going first in the pick and recap? Um, well, we got to start off with uh, the game of the week, right? Uh, mm. Ohio State actually absolutely taking <laughs> Michigan State to the woodshed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this three-headed monster, uh, Ohio State's receivers, is just absolutely absurd. I said it to you a couple weeks ago, Chris Olave might be their third best receiver. Like, he legit might be their third best receiver, and he, he might be a first-round pick. Like, this, this team's insane. Travion Henderson just... 
they absolutely just destroyed Michigan State this weekend. Like, I felt like Michigan State was on the overrated side, but, like, I'm not taking anything away from Ohio State. Like, they straight up dominated. They look – I'm glad to see them jump Ohio, uh, Alabama in the AP poll. Um, I think they're definitely going to jump them in the playoff rankings this week. I think, I think Ohio State's the clear number two team right now. I would agree. Um, from 11 Warriors, quote, with Ohio State up 49-0 at halftime, which is still just preposterous that we cannot understate enough or overstate enough, I guess. I mean, George was up 49-0 at halftime this week. It's not a big deal. It's true. Charleston, Southern Michigan State, they're <laughs> one and the same. Uh, CJ Stroud had already broken an Ohio State record by completing 70 consecutive passes and tied an Ohio State record uh, by throwing six touchdown passes. Um, all in the first half. Like, that is just... Mel Tucker in this group, we knew, I think we talked about it before the game, was like, the defense is just not good. And the offense has been carrying him, but then Ohio State's defense stepped up, and then it's just the recipe for disaster. And Ohio State knew. Haskell Garrett of the Buckeyes said before the game, quote, we're going to whoop their ass. And uh, that is what happened. End of quote. <laughs> End of quote, yes. Yeah, and that's what I think you'd seen um, with the Minnesota game and the Oregon game. Like, they were just getting torched on the ground. Basically, every team they've played since then has been very committed to the run, and none of them have been able to run. And Like, every game, it's like 30-something carries for, for 50, 60 yards. Like, I think what was Michigan State was 21 for 66. Like, yeah, Kenneth Walker, the a lot of people probably the front runner for the Heisman going into last week. Six carries for 25 yards, like just couldn't get him going at all. Like Ohio State's much improved uh, defensively. Absolutely. Uh, where are we going next? Um, Wake Forest, Clemson. Another one of these uh, games where the unranked team was favored, and and Clemson showed you why. This is, this is going to be the worst. Like this crazy ACC season. Like I'm going to feel for the rest of the ACC. Like. Clemson's just dominated this conference for like, what, seven years in a row or something now? Then they have this terrible season, and by the end of it, if Wake Forest loses to, uh, who do they finish with? Uh, NC State next week? If they lose to NC State, Clemson's back in the ACC. <laughs> like, it's just, it's crazy. Like, Pitt, Pitt's already there waiting, but um, yeah, it was, it was good to finally see Wake Forest, or to finally see Clemson scoring some points. Will Shipley little little jump pass. Till this day, I don't know why everyone does the jump pass. Like, what's so what's so great about the jump pass? Like, I don't, I don't get it. But mm. Tebow is good work, at it. It works sometimes. Tebow's like, oh, I need to make sure I don't travel. I got to get rid of it. <laughs> like, it was just such a weird play. It all, it, it's. I think Carry On Johnson, I think did it too at Auburn. It's just we saw it this weekend with Arkansas and Alabama too. But um, yeah. I think Joe Milton did it. In one game earlier this season, I could be it's wrong. Just, it's just such a funny play. It's it makes me laugh every time I see it. Um, it's funny you bring up Clemson because Clemson is not even ranked right now, and I think it's just David Hale, who a good ESPN writer, he tweeted out: Clemson is eight and three. Its losses are to number one, number seventeen, and and two overtimes to another eight and three team on the road. FPI has the Tigers at 10th. SPS Plus from our good friend Bill Connolly over there at ESPN.com. Great college football writer. Looking at two of his books on my shelf right now. Um, or I think maybe one. Of, it's just one, but could be wrong. Um, has them eighth. That they continue to be ranked is just insane. And I agree with him. Like, I think Clemson is just like, there's just like this anger at Clemson uh, for just their dominance as being the best college football program in the last 10 years. 
And now it's like we've gone too far the other way where it's like to no be cl- fair, they're what, twenty sixth and I think in the AP, like they just they're getting out but there is what, who is it? A and M is eight and three, mm-hmm. Utah eight and three, Wisconsin eight and three, NC State eight and three, but obviously NC State's got that that head to head. And then you got mm-hmm. Arkansas at seven and four. Yeah. Uh still twenty twenty fifth. But it's like that's why the polls are so are this this weird thing because Arkansas is seven and four and they've lost to number one and number three and who else they lose to Ole Miss Mm -hmm. Ole Miss number eight so they've played three top like honestly Arkansas would win the Pac-12 like I am you can't convince me Arkansas would wouldn't beat every single team in the Pac-12 and they might beat every team in the every single team in the Big 12 too like Arkansas schedule is just absurd like oh and then I think they lost to Auburn I think is the the fourth loss on there so they are seven and four but Three, three of those are the top, current top 10 teams, and all three of those top 10 losses were all on the road as well. Mm. But I was surprised to, to see Clemson not not creep back into the top 25. Well, I think the biggest thing is Clemson's going to be fine. Like, Clemson is going to be fine. Little, little old Clemson. They don't yeah. want to vote him in the top 25. My buddy said, uh, my buddy had a funny joke where he said, I bet Dabo wishes he still had his coach's poll vote. <laughs> Um, that may have been enough to uh, to get him in there. The Wake message boards were right. Remember what I mentioned that they were like, we love to have a vanilla offense, and for whatever reason, Clemson is just like, Clawson's like, we're not being Clemson, and that's what happened here. He was like, we're not being Clemson. We're 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 just not doing it. They tried to warn us. I should have gone. Did I go Clemson? I don't even remember now. I think I did go Clemson. No, we both went Wake Forest. Did we? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Idiot. Do you know what it was? It was the Sam Hartman. Uh, the the same heart and attractiveness type deal, um, where we were lost <laughs> in the eyes. Is that what you picked? Or that's I can I can assure you that's not why I picked. I don't know. You Tori. mentioned that Tori was was in uh, the sports renaissance woman is in like that's that's part of the deal here. Oh, by the way, Tori, who loves listening to the pod. Oh, did she listen this weekend? Um, she said uh, a phrase that I say all the time to her. Uh huh. She had a phrase that I say. And it was like, hey, can I share? Can I share a stat with you? It's uh-huh. like, hey, share this. Can I share this nugget with you? This this recruiting. Hey, can I tell you something about? Like that's what I always say. I'm just like, yeah. Hey. We're just sitting there. How can I? Can I share this? Share this stat about Kirby Smart with you? And she's uh, <laughs> and she just absorbs all the information. The stuff she does care about and she doesn't care about. She just remembers all of it. It's it's insane. Wait. So I have a follow up question to that. Does that mean like when you? Like when you say, "Can I share this with you?" If she says no, do you just, like? Is it more of a rhetorical type deal, or are you actually asking whether or not she's cool with you sharing this fact that's probably it's, coming out no matter what? It's more rhetorical, but it's mm-hmm. also like she's reading, and so it's like I'll let her fin- get to a good spot, stopping <laughs> point, and then I'll share. So I'm not interrupting what you're doing. Oh my goodness, I could see that. I could see that. Matt, the stack guy just uh he's ready you you're just like your knees shaking on the chair and you're just like like, look at my fantasy matchup this week i I need i need eight points to win check it out you know Mm -hmm. and she's like wow that's great it's like wow great job champion (laughs) she's so proud of me after my basketball championship this past year i just do bits around the house i think that's what my uh the the sports renaissance woman would say about me is that i do bits a lot i'm a big bit guy (laughs) I love to keep like a straight face and just do a bit and see how long it takes for her to figure out I'm doing a bit. 
Yeah. <laughs> that would be annoying. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Well, if you remember Wait, no, anything... We're not in a relationship, so whatever works for you, uh, you and yours. I just... I love a good bit, man. Love a good bit. Um, and so did the good folks at the University of North Georgia. They loved my bits. Um, SMU versus Cincy. Is that where we're going next? Yeah, that was a, a real statement win by, by Cincy this week, and I thought it's... Like we said, it's just SMU, but it was uh, one of the bigger one of the bigger speed bumps on their schedule. So for them to finally win a, a game, first this is next to Notre Dame, probably the best team they've played so far, um, and to win in convincing fashion, I thought is definitely what they needed because the polls, the the, the rankings are working out, or you're not going to be able to keep them out of the playoff. Now you're just making the committee feel good about putting you in the playoff. Yeah, I um, uh, this was also goes back to what you said, right? Where I agreed about like when people are freaking out about Cincy's spot, and we're like, they're fine. Like Cincy is is fine. Like where they're at, like if they just went out, they're in. And exactly, there was so much head to head ahead of them that mm-hmm. had to happen. Like just relax. Like <laughs> the highest you've ever ranked a group of five team, and you feel like you're being disrespected. Like just relax. There's like five weeks of the season left. Like, and here they are. Yeah, I think they're gonna be fine. Um, Jamie Plunkett, uh, Frogs in War, said this because this matters with Sonny Dykes because he seems like a foregone conclusion at TCU, it seems like. And if I was TCU, do you know who I'm going? Do you know who I'm going if I'm TCU? Sonny Dykes? No. Primetime. Deion Sanders. Honestly, that's a good call. I want to go outside the box. Someone needs to do this. Like, that dude is going to recruit his tail off. He's got Jackson State in the top 100 in 247 top 100 from the Without swag doubt because he was like he was just that that name you know mm. like when when georgetown hires patrick ewing or something it's like well yeah can he coach so you had to know that he could coach first but now we so, know he can coach exactly i think the sky's the limit really like i think florida he's state, just a sleeping if giant doesn't take him like florida state might should consider it because he's a I would be a believer in, in, in prime time. I agree. Like, I love Deion Sanders, and I love the message, and I love that the upbeat style. His whole thing, he, he said after the game, they beat Alcorn, um, and it was like 58,000 sold out. Like, he's got everyone excited. They're uh, going to be in the SWAC championship, um, and they're good. They're dominant. And he he talked about, like, if we have a championship season, but no one gets drafted, then I didn't. This wasn't a great year. Like, he's trying to get dudes drafted. Like, his pitch is like, we're going to win football games. Yeah, that's for conclusion, but I want to get dudes to the league. And I just think that translates so well into the modern game. And you put him in, like, Dallas, or you put him at even at Texas. Like, I don't care where you put him, but you put him in a Power 5 job. I just, I think Dion's going to win. And I think Dion, if my choice is between Sunny... I think mm. TCU is, like, the perfect, like, storm for that. It's like big enough but like not big enough at the same time like it's not a blue blood Mm -hmm. not even close to being a top 25 job i wouldn't say but it's in a power five well what we once called power five conference it's and it's in dallas fort worth like he fits the demographic too like he's really religious like he's someone who like he's really passionate about his faith and like guess what texas christian I'm telling his you. His kids where they went to yeah. high school was in like that Dallas Fort Worth area, right? I think so. So that's what I'm saying. Like if I'm TCU, 
Sonny Dykes, who now during his time at SMU, which brings us back to the reason I brought up Sanders. So Sonny Dykes at SMU, he is 7-13 and 13 against teams 500 or better. He's 3-7 and seven against top 25 opponents. Like, he'd probably mm. be fine, but like... Do you, take a big swing. I would. I would take a big swing on Dion if the if Dion's interested in interviewing. I would take a bigger. Like he is, boomer bust. But man, after Gary Patterson, I would switch it up. I would see what happens. You're going into the brave new world without Texas and Oklahoma. I I would go prime. I would I would throw the throw the book at prime. I can see it. I um I wouldn't hate that at all. Uh, where are we going next? Um, our SEC game. Arkansas and Alabama, mm. 20 and a half point favorite Alabama was. N- neither of us got this one right. This was an incredible game. Like, I don't think any of us saw, saw this being this good of a game. Like, Arkansas just went blow for blow, really. It seemed like, you know, at the end of the first half, when, when Alabama was able to get that score before the half and then start the third quarter, make it 31-14, it was like, okay, Arkansas, you gave them a good game, but, you know, this is over now. And then they just responded. They just kept hitting Alabama with with big plays in the passing game. And K.J. Jefferson, like, he was – this is probably the best game we've seen K.J. Jefferson play. So um, I was really impressed with Arkansas. But but this Alabama offense is just – it's it's next level like Bryce Young I feel like you're seeing him like just how how far he's come from the start of this year to where he is now and and Jameson Williams it's just absurd this Ohio State receiving core the this three-headed monster that's just absurd like Jameson Williams should be on Ohio State right now like that I think he's I think you'd have to say he's been the biggest transfer portal uh acquisition of the college football season probably like he's just been a star for Alabama so this like that one throw he made, Bryce Young made was just on that was like an eighty yard touchdown. That was just that was that was pretty. Mm. There you go. Um, did you see the calls that people were getting really upset about during this game? Like some of the calls that were going against Arkansas and in favor of Bama. Did you feel like it was not fairly officiated? Well, there was. I feel like there was those couple right there in a row, but I can't remember all of because one of them was the that long touchdown that they said he was, you know, just short. They right. reviewed it and say it was just short. I, I felt like that was close enough. I didn't feel like it was really conclusive, but, but whatever. And then the next play was just weird. Like the entire guy's body got in the end zone and then they rolled him down at the ones that, that was weird, but I can't remember all of the specific plays, but I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to get into the Alabama officiating stuff. Like I know people have such opinions on that, but who, who knows really? Mm. Um, this comes from Hog Sports that I think is important when you look at this if you're an Arkansas fan. Um, and this year as a whole, man, just been a delight and really exciting if you're you're a Hog fan. Um, Alabama beat Arkansas by a combined total of 100 to 10 over the last two years. And eight of the last nine games have been decided by two or more scores. So after a decade of just getting blown out uh, by by the, the Crimson Tide, you're you were close and you're like Pittman's doing some stuff but I think a lot of this man unfortunately with Pittman because he's a CEO type coach is that he's got to keep these coordinators he's got to keep Bryles and Odom and uh and if he doesn't then he's gonna have to hire correctly yeah, it could be but uh, if he's a good CEO then he's he's got his next guy you know an idea of whose next guy is so I um I think you got to be 
just insanely happy with where Arkansas is right mm-hmm. now. If you're an Arkansas fan, like at seven and four, you know, with Missouri next week, I know that's a quote unquote rivalry game, uh, the border border <laughs> war, whatever they call it exactly. Mm-hmm. Missouri lost the wait. Border the border game war was Kansas, Missouri. Yeah, I guess they lost the border game with Kansas, so then they created a new border game with Arkansas. I don't know. Wait, do but, Arkansas um, and Missouri border? Is this a yeah, dump? Okay. Arkansas, yeah, it sits right on top of. Okay. The, the golden, the golden boot. If you did it, Louisiana, Arkansas is on top of that. Missouri's on top of that. Okay. I just want to um, clarify because I don't have yeah. the map in front of me, and I, it's been a little bit. And you know what's unfortunate? I was the geography guy in uh, first grade for for my elementary school for for a couple weeks, and. Um, you were the geography guy? What does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> like on the news. So we did like, we just, different classrooms alternated being on the news um, to do like these like one minute TV reports in the library and you had different roles. And I remember one I, I liked, I really liked being the geography guy. And I would just, I think my whole bit was, um, this is maybe where the bits came from, was that like, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> um, I, I think I said, something to the effect of hey uh what something like hey uh camp creekers uh my name's chase and i'm the geography guy and today's state is washington and the capital is olympia back to you (laughs) that's hard-hitting stuff (laughs) maybe this is in the where in the world is carmen san diego era you know maybe that's that's where you're a big geography guy but um but yeah back to arkansas (laughs) Um, but yeah, if, if they if they beat Missouri um, eight and four, win a bowl game, potentially nine and four, that's the first nine win season since 2011. Bobby Petrino, they won 11 games that year. So to win nine games, like that's that's big that's big time. Mm. They haven't done it yet, but uh, they they could potentially do it. Where are we going next? Uh, this next one, I'm kicking myself for man. I, I hyped up. Scott Frost's ability to, uh, you know, cover the spread. They were nine and a half point dog versus Wisconsin. And um, this was an exciting game. This is complete opposite of what I would have expected when Nebraska and Wisconsin got together. Um, A lot of offense in this one. And Nebraska hung with them and uh, covered the spread. So we both missed this one as well. Wisconsin won, but they they did not cover. It's a tradition unlike any other. Uh, Scott Frost winning or losing a close game. Uh, a close, important game. Hey, he was in it. They were in it. They fought hard. Adrian Martinez played really well in this one. Uh, some bad picks ultimately cost them. But um, yeah, I got a hot take for you mm. that you think Is Scott Frost might win one of these three and eight team in the history of college football. To one more time, the greatest three and eight team in the history of college football oh, might be the twenty twenty one Nebraska oh, Cornhuskers. Are we doing this? You're just why are, are you committed? Is this a bit for you? Are you committed to the Scott yeah, Frost that's thing? Definitely a bit. I'm saying I don't know how many good three and eight teams there are, but I feel like they're in so many games. But but no, I uh, that was uh that was a bit you might say. Mm. I just I don't know Braylon Allen though. Where was he all year? Why was he not the guy? Wisconsin might be talking college football playoff if he's the guy early on. What happened here? Why was he not? featured like this this dude's just he had the breakaway touchdown run that put them up 35 28 but like Allen's a monster that dude's gonna rush for a billion yards at wisconsin over the next couple years he's a true freshman yeah i could see it wisconsin low-key running back you 
they is it low key? Who doesn't know about this? Who doesn't know about Monty Ball, Ron Dane, Jonathan Taylor? I think they get credit for what they do in college. I don't think they get enough credit for how good they end up being in the NFL. Well, most don't. Monty Ball, Ron like Dane. Melvin Gordon had several good years in the NFL. He was okay. Now, he fell Jonathan off. Taylor, but I'm saying they were, it's not like they were just Ron Dane. Like, Ron Dane was just a straight up bust, you know? Like, oh, Jonathan yeah, Taylor might be the best ball. running back in football now. Yeah, I'm saying Jonathan Taylor's a stud. Like, Monty Ball even had, what, a year or two? With, no, uh, with yeah, Monty Denver. Ball was never good. No, Monty Ball wasn't that good. But <laughs> they're, uh, they they produce them, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, where are we going next? Uh, keeping it moving, uh, the Raging Cajuns beat Liberty Flames mm. handedly. Yeah. This was expected. Bad year for Hugh Freeze down here. The offensive line stinks. And... Uh, these games matter for coaching stuff, where it's like Hugh Freeze is not talked about for any of these jobs. Remember Tennessee? Everything was talked about. Hugh Freeze, Hugh Freeze, because the season that he was having at Liberty last year, and now Napier's uh, having a better year. So his name's popping up. Hugh Freeze, uh, have you heard his name pop up anywhere? No, I have not heard that this year. It, it seemed to be real hot, but like taboo hot last year. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you know... He could be a good guy to get it, but are people going to trust Hugh Freeze yet? And now mm-hmm. it's like, well, is he still good, a good enough coach to, to get these jobs? <laughs> so it's kind of interesting how the narrative has changed, but I don't know. He's just, he's still got a, you got to be really good when your your name has a little sour taste to it. Mm-hmm. Phrasing. But uh, Where are we going next? you out here, but if, if, mm. if you expected this, I would have thought you would have picked... Louisiana. I did pick Louisiana. No, you, I got. I get you for Liberty. I didn't pick Liberty. Mm, that was a. I want to go play the tape back. Now I'm yeah, playing the tape back. The I know I didn't pick me. Liberty because I, I talked about I their offensive line and I said that Liberty, it's not their type of year. No, you, sir, put oh, me down for Liberty. Controversy. Yeah. The whole season standings are in question <laughs> now. Um, I did right, not I'll pick Liberty in this game. I okay, kn- that would that would make you seven and five this week. Then. Okay, and then and then five and six against the spread. So I'll 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 trust you at your word here. I'll go. You ahead can and just go back in the stuff. podcast. Ask Tori. She listened. Be like, did Chase pick Liberty or Louisiana? <laughs> she honestly might remember that. Uh, where are we going next? Um, UCLA, USC. Uh, Bruins took care of business. Not a lot to say here. They just did what they needed to do. The best thing about this was DTR getting a, a flag for signing a dude's hat. Oh, man. That was awesome. Celebration of the year right there. Did AJ Green just, like, hurt deep in his soul when he saw that on television? Or Todd Gurley or the Todd countless Gurley. other guys. <laughs> um, We've come a long like way. so much cooler than, than like, T.O. with the Sharpie. It's like he mm. planned that. Like DTR, he just ran, got to that part of the end zone. It's like, dude's got a pin and a hat. He's like, shit, I'll sign an autograph. (laughs) That was awesome. I loved it. Where are we going next? Uh, The Little Apple. Mm. Baylor Bears. You were doubting them. Picking the Wildcats. I uh, I trusted Dave Aranda and the Bears. They went on the road. You got that, that difficult win in the Little Apple. It's hard to do. It uh, this was a good win. Care business. Bohannon got knocked out early in this one, um, and it did not matter for Baylor. Uh, good game from the backup, but uh, yeah, they really the Baylor defense. Dave Randa did a great job uh, keeping uh, Deuce Vaughn and Skylar Thompson in check, and Baylor's one four five in Manhattan. Um, so good win for Baylor. Baylor's legitimately good. Baylor might be the best team in the Big Twelve. 
Yeah, I think so. I think um, it's unfortunate they they stubbed their toe one too many times, I think, to uh, be legitimate playoff contenders right now. Because I think if they had one loss, I think that Oklahoma State, potentially Oklahoma State, uh, Baylor, or whatever, whoever ends up in the Big 12 championship, that could have been a play-in game. Um, but I don't, I don't see it happening now. The bigger thing, though, is I think that because we were, it was such a bad year zero for him with Larry Fedora, that this is just a gigantic win that he was able to flip all this and change the coordinator, got out from Fedora, hired Jeff Grimes, and everything's just rolling. And now they've gotten back on track, so they look like they're in a good place. I think that's the biggest thing is that this looked like this could be a real disaster with Aranda um, after year zero, and he's completely flipped the script. So if there was a coach of the year vote, he might be my coach of the year as a as a whole. Uh, that's probably that's that's probably a good call. I bet he does win it in the Big Twelve. Um, and then the big game, or is they they call it the big game? They call it it's the just the game. game. The game mm-hmm. terrible. The big game is Michigan. Yes, Ohio State, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the game even worse than the big game. I think They're the like, game's no, pretty dope. This isn't actually a big game. It's just it's just a game we're playing. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Did John Elway and Aaron Rodgers not dome these helmets at one time or another? Yeah, Marshawn Lynch, Andrew you know, Luck. Those, those are those are great great times. But mm-hmm. um, they've actually put out some NFL Cal legends Stanford here. Game after 1982, honestly. Mm, I'd have to think about that. Um, <laughs> Said it's that the crazy band on the field play. Um, other than that, I don't know much about this rivalry. But all I do know is that Stanford got handled this weekend at home, and Cal Bears, your Cal Bears. I know you were pretty high on them coming to this season. They've been. They've been on the disappointing uh, side. Very disappointing season. Um, but they've had a really crazy year with COVID and, like, the restrictions. And, like, Cal is just in Berkeley. Like, it's just been a year from hell. Musgraves, I don't think it's the best fit for this group, especially Garbers, um, his style. But friend of the pod, Namli, who uh, writes for right for California, he had an all-time great lead on his recap for this one. So go check out rightforcalifornia.com if you've not already done so. Um he had this quote 2004 you have to go back to the early glory days of jeff tedford to put into context how historically dominant the 124th big game was oh, i guess this was the big game maybe oh we had it backwards okay so they do call it the big game yeah and the other one's the game okay um to put it in to let me just backtrack you have to go back to the early glory days of jeff tedford old friend jeff tedford to put in context uh how historically dominant the 124th big game was the bears have only won or kept the axe six times in the nearly two decades since then with none of those uh other victories come close to 2004's 41 to 6 final margin if you want a comparable blowout win from before that you have to go all the way back to 1975 48 to 15 and then to 1920 38 to zero this never happens the cal golden bears never blow out stanford shout out to them go go golden bears that's a quality stat right there um and just a preview for next week just a little impromptu trivia question for you do you know what the because you said that was 124th Mm -hmm. you know the oldest uh rivalry in in FBS is Georgia Georgia Tech. That's incorrect. Mm, um, Navy Army. Incorrect. Your hint is that they play for Paul Bunyan's axe. Oh, Wisconsin and uh, Iowa or Minnesota. Wisconsin and Minnesota. Yeah. That is uh, that is next week. 
That is the longest running rivalry in college hmm. football. I know uh, the longest one in the SEC is Georgia Auburn. Okay. But uh, I think I think they're a few years behind that one. Yeah. A little trivia question for you. Staying in the Pac-12 though. Mm-hmm. We were both all over this one. Actually, no, we were not both all over this one. No, you hold on. We need to Ducks. qualify this. Where I said Utah is either going to beat them now or they're going to beat them in the Pac-12 title game, and I was like, do you? Kyle Whittingham would just tank this not one. Even try to win yes. this game, and then an just beat them in the Pac-12 strategy. title game. Yeah. But yeah, Utah absolutely just handled Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the cooler plays of the season, honestly, when they call that timeout. Uh, before the end of the first half, then mm. take a punt all the way to the house. Um, that place looked like it was absolutely just going crazy then. Um, Utah, definitely a place. It's a bucket list uh, stadium uh, for me personally. I just want to get out to Utah. Utah and BYU, honestly. I was going to say, Provo, I think, is higher on my list than... Uh... They both look like, yeah, they just both look like awesome environments to, mm-hmm. uh, to get the game. But, um, yeah, Utah... Or it's just crazy. The number three team in the country was a three-point dog to 24, and Vegas knows what they're doing. Utah just absolutely destroyed them. And it's good. Things are good again. Thing we can stop pretending that Oregon is a as a top four team in the country. They're a top 15, so top 10. Honestly. Yeah, we can stop nobody pretending. Thought, nobody thought Oregon was better than than Ohio State, but they they were just kind of holding the rankings. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> like. Well, they beat Ohio State. You had to keep them there. But, um, yeah, I think we're all in agreement now with, with what the rankings look like. But, like, Oregon did earn their way up there. But now these are these are really the, – the cream is really rising to the top now. I like it. I like it. Um, where are we going next, Matt Green? Uh, last one, Oklahoma State. Statement win over Texas Tech. I don't know if it's a statement win. But Oklahoma State, I feel like just – I feel like they bring the same the same game every week. You know, they just they're not sexy, but this defense this defense is legit. Yeah, I think the defense is definitely legit. Um, but we'll see. We'll we'll see what uh, comes of it. Um, did you see what happened here? And I have to speak up for all my Tennessee, my beloved beloved bull bound Tennessee Volunteers. I'm gonna do a full New York Knicks thing here. Bing <laughs> bong! The Tennessee Volunteers are going bowling. I hope the the good folks get that reference. Do you get the the Bing bong reference? I didn't get the reference. I'm gonna see this video. So after the Knicks, like one of their early season, it's one of my favorite videos. I watch it once a week. It's the crazy Knicks fans after an early win, <laughs> but they were all just like losing their minds. And there's just one dude randomly just like Bing Bong, and it's 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 classic. Um, either way, uh, Tennessee Volunteers going bowling, finishing the year. It looks like seven and five. Just what can what what can you say other than just tremendous content from from josh heupel and velas jones returning a kickback for six doing doing all kinds of awesome velas jones stuff um great work all around who did they play this week uh the the mighty south alabama jaguars ah just put, putting a beat down on usa is that, mm. is that what tennessee was doing this weekend first they first they cancel <laughs> a game with our armed forces and then they beat down USA. Most unpatriotic team in the entire country. How Tennessee dare you? Volunteers. How dare you? I don't know if you knew this or not. We fly. We have an amazing flyover from uh, from the from our troops. Whatever, whatever helps you sleep at night, okay. sir. All right. Don't take this away from me. Let me enjoy this in peace. Was it Army? Was it Army they canceled the game with? Uh, yes. Like the future it was Army. Game? Yeah, and we replaced it with Akron, I want to say. 
That's they're scared. It's next year. It's literally a next year game. Um, what kind of bowl? Have you looked at bowl projections or anything? I saw like, Duke kind of Mayo in Tennessee? Charlotte. Um, okay. And I'm going to if it's in Charlotte, we're going. Um, but yeah, it just depends on where they're going. That, a, that was the Belk Bowl, right? Yes. Is that the same game, basically? Yes. So that's like a Big Ten. Well, who? I guess that's yes, it's big. I'm pretty sure it's big. Because I know Georgia played Louisville in that one year, but Tennessee, that was when Tennessee played Indiana, right? Is that Belk Bowl? Or is that the Gator Bowl? Wait, which one are you talking about? Tennessee played Indiana a couple years ago. Oh, that ago. was the uh, Outback Bowl, wasn't it? Or no, that was the Gator. That was the Gator. Because okay. that one was I'm in... not sure what I'm not sure what conferences are going to what bowls these days, but I'm pretty uh, sure it was the Gator Bowl. As long as you don't go to the Birmingham Bowl, I think that's where everyone just wants to stay out of, out of the Birmingham Bowl. Okay, so I'm seeing Texas Bowl as a possibility. Not going if it's that against Kansas State. Um, that'd be a good game though. Uh, Duke's Mayo against North Carolina. Maybe you'll get lucky. It could be like Liberty Bowl. Well, short drive to Memphis. How, how what's that drive did you Two, say short hours? drive to memphis that's a how, how, six and a half hour drive is it really yes memphis is arkansas huh memphis is a it, it's just as far to memphis as it is to jacksonville florida for me i actually i think you know you're a big geography guy mm-hmm. i've heard some interesting stat i'm gonna butcher it but it's something like the corner from the top right corner of tennessee to the bottom left is like the same distance from like Detroit to like Orlando or something like that. I don't hmm. know. It's something huge. Like I butchered it. Like that's not the exact stat, but it it is something that kind of kind of blows your mind. Hmm. Well, I've seen that the Liberty Bowl, like you mentioned in Memphis, and then the Music City Bowl in that in uh, Nashville. Okay. So it just depends. Two of those I'll go to. Two of those I will not. Um, hey, just getting the extra month of practice. That's what Hypel. I'm sure what he's celebrating right now. Just being able to uh, to do that because having Florida, Florida State next week to decide a bowl game like that. That's just uh, that's going to be insane. I have this question for my brother. Mm. Um, what would be worse, like as a Florida fan? Like at this point, you've already like fired Dan Mullen, but like if. If the stadium, if the swamp is fifty percent capacity for the Florida State game, would that be worse, or it would be would it be worse if it was at a hundred percent capacity, but fifty percent of it was Florida State fans? Ooh, um, hmm. I would say if it's a hundred percent capacity and it's fifty percent Florida State fans, I could, I, I could, I honestly couldn't decide because mm. it's like for them to take over your stadium that that's that's terrible but i meant to send you a picture of what tennessee looked like on saturday mm-hmm. well i meant to send you a picture of saturday because remember when there was like this this very scary and very very real uh georgia takeover in Neyland a week ago um buddy pretty much and, uh, every other year thing for uh for the fans from athens right and my buddy sent a picture uh, from the team because I did not go to 28 degree uh, South Alabama, Tennessee uh, in person. I, I set that one out uh, in my comfy uh, home and at a very good chicken establishment and uh, ate some chicken and had a good time. And then went to Target and bought some stuff for the Christmas. It, it was great. It was a, a fun little Saturday. Um, <laughs> nice little Saturday. <laughs> go to Bed Bath & Beyond, my Home Depot. Don't know if I'll have time. time. (laughs) 
we're at that age, Matt Green. Like we're in our thirties. Like this is this is us now. This uh, is my dad quoting Animal House in nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> me quoting old school in twenty twenty one. Honestly, oh, we're old, man. Um, but no, there was a reason. I, oh yeah, and he sent me the picture, and it was just uh, all black everywhere um, because it's cold in Tennessee. Have a lot of black stuff and black jackets and everything. He's like, oh, another Georgia takeover. And it was like, yeah, who could have foreseen that? Uh, who who could have imagined that a lot of these events would be wearing black coats and all that kind of stuff for 20 degree game? How do they not have their orange coats ready? This is football season. Right. Goodness gracious. Oh, I still cannot believe that thing happened in that whole narrative. Um, ruined 48 hours for me. That was uh, not that was the dark ages of uh, the college football season. So I'm glad that's over. Um, Matt Green, we did it. Yes, sir. It was another uh, excellent week. We got rivalry week next week. Mm. Final week of the season. Man, it bl- it flew by. Yeah, it really has. I think mean, game day is going to be at the game, not the big game. But Why are you not at the Egg Bowl? I mean, Michigan-Ohio State, I mean, that's a, essentially... You like were just a, at Ohio State. But this is at Michigan. I know, but like... I don't know. I think that does make it difference because you haven't been to Ann Arbor. So I think it does make a difference. And it's, I mean, this is like a quarterfinal to the college football playoff. That's honestly. true. Like this is, this like Michigan is one of the few teams they are not talked about at all, but I mean, they're in control of their own fate. You know I mean? They, they went out, they're in the playoff. Like, I don't think anyone's really focusing on Michigan, but I think it's home, because they literally have never beaten Ohio state under Jim Harbaugh. Like, it's just like, until we see it. Until we see them play competitively against Ohio yeah, State, we're that, just not I mean, putting it. I think it's one in, one of the last like fifteen yeah. or something. It's it's a it's bad at this point, but we can we. It's quietly Georgia Georgia Tech territory. Yeah, and Georgia Tech I think's got like two or three in the mm-hmm. last like fifteen years. Mm. We got a we got a lot of stuff to to hit and get to wrap up with Vandy. Fun fun times. What it is? What it is? It's the Georgia Florida or florida georgia over that spurrier and urban meyer like dominance of, mm. i think georgia, i think it was like four, 13 out of 14 or something like that that florida had at one point kind of like what it's going to be with tennessee georgia with hypo and the back end of kirby's tenure yeah something like that <laughs> before something, matt campbell comes in seven years from now similar to that yeah and finishes it off. Um, Wait, when Matt Campbell comes in seven years from now? Yeah. After Hyper wins a couple of natties yeah. in the NFL? Yeah. He gets an NFL <laughs> job, and we just are like, all right, let's bring in Hyper. Maybe he goes back to or, Oklahoma. Those are his roots, you know? I don't that know. actually scared me. The Oklahoma, if Lincoln Riley did leave, like, Hypo would be an early call for them. That's honestly, I, I did just kind of say that off the cuff, but that is a that is a good point, honestly. If Riley left, he's he's got to be near the closest close to the top of their list everyone wants their kirby man mm-hmm. everyone wants their their alma mater guy and if he's actually one of the best coaches in college football then you gotta get him matt green always a pleasure yes sir nicely done nephew Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.